Hi there. We're so glad you found the Fabric Podcast. Before you start listening, we wanted to let you know that this is one of our earlier episodes where our show was called The Check-In. On these episodes, we talk about the company, giving you insight into who we are and what we do. But in 2019, we realized we really want to focus more on company culture. So we refocused and renamed the podcast. So just a heads up that this earlier episode is still us, the team from The Receptionist, but just with a different show name and a slightly different focus. Thanks for listening. On this episode of The Check-In, we're joined by Scott Zimmerman, founder of Nexus Wellness based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Nexus Wellness is a co-working space for health and wellness professionals. He saw this model working well in London and brought it to Cleveland, Ohio, and it's working well. He started off serving behavioral health professionals, psychiatrists, counselors, and therapists, but then realized that he wanted to expand. There was a need for more functional medicine, naturopaths, acupuncturists, and masseuses. So now in this space, he's serving a variety of health and wellness professionals, and they're able to serve other clients. We talk a lot about HIPAA compliance on this episode, what it is, why it's important, and the many ways you need to consider that in a co-working space. But even if you're not so concerned about HIPAA compliance, the lessons from this conversation are invaluable when you're looking to protect personal information or you've got security compliance that you need to follow. So this is going to be a great episode, even if you're not a health and wellness professional. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So I'm excited to talk to you about your business and everything that's going on. So before we jump into kind of the details, tell us a bit about Nexus Wellness and your role there. Sure. So I founded Nexus about four years ago. The doors officially opened about two and a half years ago now. Uh, It's based on an idea for health and wellness co-working that I saw while living in London in uh, 2009 to 2011. So right around the time that ACA or uh, the Affordable Care Act was going through. And I saw the need for shared office space for health and wellness providers in order to help them reduce their costs, get the benefits of being around other providers and like-minded individuals. And especially where your WeWorks and your Regis's were getting larger. That model just doesn't work for health and wellness professionals. So the need to have a a specialized space made a lot of sense to me. And I moved back to the States to start it. That's amazing that you saw that happening there and that you came back and brought it here. So when you're saying health and wellness professionals, what specific type of professionals are using your space? Sure. So we started off originally just focused on behavioral health. And in the last year, um, I wound up suffering a pretty bad concussion about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. And wound up going through functional medicine, diet, nutrition, acupuncture, uh, lots of different modalities in order to get through that that recovery. And I saw the interplay between mind and body and decided to expand Nexus beyond just behavioral health which would be psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, counselors, uh, therapists, to also include functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, acupuncture, Reiki, uh, massage therapy. We have folks in other energy and healing modalities like sound therapy. Wow. Um, Really interesting group of folks. Yeah. That's and, amazing. 
Thank you. As we continue to grow, you know, providers in the space get to learn about other modalities that they didn't know about. Larger agencies who use our space for secondary and tertiary locations get to offer services to their clients that they wouldn't normally offer. Yeah, I think that's so great because we're seeing more of these niche co-working spaces pop up. And I think that makes sense that you started with behavioral health, right? Those practitioners could really benefit from a space where there's a community, there's privacy, they can run their business from there. But then it also makes a lot of sense to expand that into other modalities, like you said. And now the referral base becomes much bigger. They can learn from each other and they can best serve their clients because if client is doing therapy, but they also need, you know, a masseuse or a nutritionist or something else, you can refer right in office. That sounds that sounds pretty amazing. It sounds like you've got a lot of people working there. So tell us a little bit about the setup of your space, how many practitioners you've got going there, and just kind of paint a picture for us of, of what actually goes on. Sure. So like I said, we opened the doors to our first location about two and a half years ago. It's about 3,200 square feet with about a 20-person reception area, waiting room. And then we have eight treatment rooms, seven of which are set up for consultative therapies. So talking mm-hmm. with couches, love seats, um, desks, and then a wellness room with a massage Reiki table and different storage. And then a group room that can be set up for uh, kind of a boardroom setting or classrooms where uh, different providers want to come in and teach a class on something they're doing. Or the tables fold away and we can either do seating in the round for group therapy. Uh, We have some folks who do kind of uh, one-on-one or maybe four-on-one yoga classes out of the room, shared break area. And then as we expand to future locations, we'll iterate a bit on the idea. Probably get closer to 4,000 square foot locations, a few more rooms. But the idea is to have all the space, all the spaces look and feel the same. Mm-hmm. So if a client who has an emergency and has to go to a different office, it still it still feels the same to him or her. Yeah, because that whole comfort is important for health and wellness. Absolutely, so. I I like that you've got both the individual rooms and the the group option as well. I think sometimes you know with with therapists when they're maybe renting a space outside of a co working space, it's a single room, right? And they can maybe do individual therapy or couples therapy, but they don't always have the ability to do group therapy or teach a class of some kind. So that's right. great that you're able to really meet all of those potential needs. Yeah, a lot of folks client. don't want to have to find a room at the local church or community center to run a class. It's not the brand image they want to have. Right. So having access to professional space where their patients and clients are already comfortable, that is HIPAA compliant. Uh, is a big value for them. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk HIPAA compliance. So share for some of our listeners, I'm sure know exactly what that is. I think even if you're, you're not in the profession, you've gone to a doctor, you've seen the email that, you know, talks about HIPAA compliance, but tell us um, what that is and why, why is it important? Okay. So, uh, first, a big caveat. Um, I'm on the New York bar. I'm a lawyer. I went to law school and studied with one of the guys who wrote HIPAA for Clinton back in the nineties. Oh, wow. Um, but whatever I talk about is not legal advice. Yes, always, always good to clarify that. Yes, so this is just business advice. Yes. Uh, as far as operating a business is concerned, HIPAA is really about privacy. It's about storage of 
personally identifiable information. Um, acronym there is PII. Okay. And HIPAA comes into play whenever you have two or more pieces of PII that are stored and transmitted. If you're working with partners, say for phone or voice or data, um, your medical record systems, things like printers, they all need to be HIPAA compliant. And you have to have a business associate addendum or BAA in place in order to protect yourself as the operator or provider in case there are violations at the other end of the transaction. So when you're setting up a space for health and wellness, it's really important. You know, not all of the providers have a HIPAA concern. It's only medical providers. Ah, uh, okay. You know, the acupuncturist may or may not have a concern. The massage therapists may or may not have a concern. Um, your psychiatrists, your psychologists absolutely do. Right. And the space needs to work for everybody. So we chose to cater to the highest common denominator and make sure that we were HIPAA compliant. Um, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. And I would imagine that by protecting people's information, even if you know, you're going to a masseuse and that's not necessary by law, it also feels nice when people are protecting your information, right? When you're not having to sign in on a piece of paper and now your name and your email and your phone number are sitting out there or that you're having to, you know, sort of in some ways announce either verbally or written who you're there to see and what you're there for. So yeah, I could see where catering, like you said, to the the highest needs um, would also be beneficial to, to someone who doesn't need that level of protection of information. Absolutely. And you know, when we started the business, we actually had a front office. And I was the receptionist in addition to all of my other duties as founder and CEO. Yeah, you, you wear and, a lot of hats in that role. Yes. And I, I wanted to be that in that role to learn what people needed and to interact with the clients that were coming in, as well as my members. And um, about six months in, coinciding with the concussion, um, nobody was really asking for a receptionist. And I asked all of my members why they wanted a front desk person. And the common answer was to know when my patients arrive. Right. There's an easier way to do that. Clients and patients hate walking to that into the window and announcing their name in front of everybody. Yeah. So you know, one of the reasons we call ourselves Nexus Wellness is for some anonymity where it's not Nexus Behavioral Health or Nexus obesity clinic. Mm -hmm. It's nexus wellness so that there's that level of anonymity where you can be there to see any kind of health and wellness provider. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that, when you come in, you don't need to announce your name and say who you're there to see. Yeah. You, you ask you to enter your name privately and then your provider gets a notification that they're there. You don't have that concern of the doctor poking their head out every five minutes to see if their clients arrived. And you have the confidentiality of no one knowing who you are. Yeah, that's so nice to be able to just sort of walk in and, and quickly let your person know that you're there and then they know you're there and then they can move on with whatever your treatment is and you don't have to, to put yourself out there. Um, because someone coming in for a massage might not mind saying, oh, I'm here for a massage, but someone who's there to meet a clinician to work on something you know that's very traumatic or stressful doesn't want to say, I'm here to see my therapist today. Yeah probably especially in front of a room of people who are maybe getting massages, right? That feels very yeah. personal and vulnerable. 
And so to be able to have kind of that protection, it makes a lot of sense. So it's yeah. nice that, you, that you've considered that. So what was nice with the receptionist is there's a ton of functionality built into it where, you know, the two-way communication via Slack, where I initially thought my providers would want to be able to message back saying, hey, we're running 15 minutes over, stand mm-hmm. by. We wound up turning most of that functionality off, actually, because from a day-to-day perspective, the providers weren't going to interrupt their session to look at their phone and message somebody back. From a HIPAA compliance perspective, instead of using the robustness of the system to collect a lot of information and sync it up with our CRM systems, Mm -hmm. we turned almost all of that off. Yeah. So we collect name, and we don't validate the name. So when a client arrives, they enter their name, they pick their provider's uh, name from the directory, mm-hmm. and it's the message. And then they get the guest Wi-Fi for the waiting room. Um, a lot of the folks, especially on the behavioral health side, who are new to their provider, really like seeing the picture of their provider uh-huh. when they're checking in. So they know who that person is, and it gives a little bit more comfort to them when they go to see the person. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that because I could see where, you know, the first day you go, you have the name, but you don't know who you're seeing. And then you see, oh, that's what they look like. And and that's really comforting. And then I could also see where you come in the next time and you're like, wait, what was their name? But you remember their face, right? Because you sat with them for a while. So then you can find them by picture. So yeah, I could see where that would be comforting in a number of ways to have that happen. Yeah. And what's nice with it being able to simplify it, um, you know, there are two main two large institutional hospitals here, Cleveland mm-hmm. Clinic and University Hospitals. They have check-in kiosks at all of their locations. And the running joke is every kiosk they have requires two people standing next to it. Oh. Because they take probably about 10 to 15 touches, name, social security, date of wow. birth, address, phone number, scan your insurance, scan your driver's license, confirm the time of your appointment, the provider you're there to see. And they're really complicated. They're all tied into their EMR systems, which is great. And it validates everything. You know, if you're not there 15 minutes before check-in, it tells you to go to the desk to check in manually and see if you've been kicked out of your appointment. So they're nice and functional, but you have to have staff there manning it. Which which misses the point in a lot of ways. Exactly. It's almost increased the amount of work. Yeah. Here, I don't need to worry about having somebody staffing 24-7. My offices can be open whenever people want to see patients. Mm. And the clients, I've had folks say, I don't know if we see a lot of elderly elderly people. I don't know if they'll be able to understand it. There's almost no problems. Yeah, that's great. I'm very happy with it. And do you serve any people um, who are bilingual? I'm wondering if if you've ever run into any language barriers with this. Uh, To date, we have not. Okay. I don't. I would imagine it's very simple. So, you know, it would be pretty straightforward still to to figure that out. Um, But I love that. Yeah, it's sort of even an elderly client. I think that's like our tech check, right? Like, could your grandma do this? Mm -hmm. And if they can, you're pretty good. Like most people will be able to figure that out. I just saw, you know, on the way into this call, there was an elderly couple probably in their 80s who were looking for the office and they had a harder time finding the office and they did checking in. They were just scrolling through the directory. Yeah. They had their printout for the provider's name. They found it and they were done. And they said, wow, this is great. 
So it really worked pretty nice. I asked them if they needed any help and they said, nope, we're good. That's great. Yeah. So, so with the co-working space, um, in general, maintaining that HIPAA compliance, what, what challenges do you find that there can be? Obviously, you're handling them, but what challenges might there be in a co-working space? Starting with the check-in process, like we talked about, you want that anonymity mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you're not storing information. So we have the kiosk set to purge data at the end of every night. Okay. Even though we only store one piece, it still makes people happy. Right. Um, multifunction printers. Most folks forget that they store every print job you have. Oh, wow. So if you have a printer that you use for three years and you throw it out on the side of the street on trash day, that could potentially be a huge HIPAA violation. Interesting. So we have all that turned off. So nothing is stored. And we're actually rolling out in about three weeks um, a card swipe technology attached to the printer. So when folks send print jobs to the printer, they have to swipe their ID card at the printer at the time. That way you don't leave a patient's records sitting on the on the printer. Oh, that's great. And, you know, I think for anyone listening who isn't concerned specifically about HIPAA compliance, I know we have a lot of listeners who have other security and compliance standards that they have to meet. So all of this, I think, is really helpful for that, too, of the points that you need to consider when there's any sort of security or information um, clearances to be aware of. Absolutely. Our internet pipe, we have high-speed fiber in our offices. Um, we went, up, went with the provider who could provide that BAA for us. So if they had any kind of breach on their end, we knew that we were protected. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a HIPAA thing. It could also be a security thing. Right. Our phone systems. Um, you know, People like the technology where your voicemail gets emailed to you. Oh, yeah. But if you don't have HIPAA compliant email, that's a HIPAA violation. Uh, when you have a provider or, or patients calling their providers, even from our website, and submitting contact information. So our website has a member directory that helps patients find providers. And you can message that provider directly. But when you're doing that, if you email that provider and say, hey, I have a problem with uh, depression or anxiety and I need help with this, if they're not secure and the provider's email is not secure, yeah. that's a HIPAA violation. Yeah, there's so many pieces to it. And I think, again, even if you're not concerned directly about HIPAA compliance, just thinking about your um, your potential clients and how they might feel sending specific pieces of, of information through a contact form or you know, discovering that I left you a voicemail, but then you replied to it as an email. I think these are all just really good things to consider as you know, technology continues to advance. And even some of these things that just seem so standard now, like voicemail coming to you as an email that your client may not be thrilled about that when they then see it come to you, come back to them via email, for example. Yeah. The other interesting piece is when you think about where co-working has grown over the last 15 years, it's about vibe and energy mm-hmm. and collaboration. So you see a lot of open plan yes. environments, um, a lot of open seating, big communal areas, noise. Yeah. Cars, you know, mm-hmm. you got your WeWorks that measure uh, occupancy based on amount of beer drunk consumed during the week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> For health and wellness, it's the total opposite. Yeah. 
you know, we don't want CAGs when we have people that are doing chemical dependency therapy. Absolutely. Um, you don't want loud chaotic space and open plan when privacy is important. So sure. we've taken the, the, the mirror image of co-working and it's all, almost all closed plan. You have a lot of soundproofing put in. So it's you know, building the walls all the way up, all the way up, insulating, yeah. getting strikers on the bottom that push down when the doors close. So the sound doesn't go underneath the doors, yeah. white noise being pumped throughout the space. Because again, from a privacy perspective, you don't want to hear what the client of their next room is talking about. I know. I always find that very strange when I go to a doctor's office and I'm sitting there waiting, you know, for that 20 minutes while I wait for my doctor or my kid's doctor to show up and I can hear through the walls. Yes. And I feel like I should not be hearing this. They should have planned this better. So I love exactly. that, that you are, are taking care of that. Now, like you said, sort of traditionally co-working spaces are open and communal and yours are not for very specific reasons. And it seems like we're seeing more of these niche co-working spaces pop up. And I know you have plans to grow and into more locations. Do you think that this is a trend we're going to continue seeing as more niche co-working spaces and especially where the space um, really meets the needs of the practitioners there? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm a big, big believer in the specialization of co-working spaces. Mm. If I'm a psychologist, it doesn't really add any value to me to be co-located with a lawyer and an accountant and a banker. and mm -hmm. an I want to be around other providers that do what I do that can help me if I have a question that I can yeah. refer patients to and vice versa. Uh, that will help me grow my business. The way space is designed is really important. So you look at a Regis, which is kind of the grandfather of the shared office. And you have your high back chair and then a desk in the middle of the office and two low back chairs in front of it mm -hmm. that work for any kind of consultative treatment. So that one size fits all space doesn't make sense to me mm -hmm. for a lot of specialties. Yeah. Uh, plus, depending on what kind of clients you're bringing in, you know, I can't build 20, 30,000 square foot offices because that's too many providers, too many patients, too much chaos. Right. And if you're catering to a group that needs help, then you want smaller, more boutique. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm a big proponent. Yeah. Things are going to go. Absolutely. So, so you're in Cleveland, Ohio right now. Um, where are you hoping to expand to? Is it more locations in Cleveland? Or are you, you looking outside of the area? So in the immediate term, the goal is to have at least one location in every viable submarket with each city that I'm in. So in Cleveland, I see probably five or six locations over the next, hopefully, two to three years. Um, and then expanding regionally from there. Because I target uh, medical professionals, a lot of the marketing and advertising is state-based, which makes sense to then expand to, say, Columbus and Cincinnati, and then move to neighboring cities, so Pittsburgh, Detroit, from there. Um, there have been a few players that have popped up in New York and Denver, D.C., Austin, Nashville, um, so more growing tier one cities. I think there's plenty of space in the tier two market. That's a different model. And you know, one of the biggest differences when I've talked to the folks, say, in New York, their members are almost all cash-based. Mm. So the clients aren't paying with insurance. So there's quick cash flow and there's higher reimbursement rates. 
versus say Cleveland, where most of your folks are taking insurance. So your reimbursement's lower, which means your build out has to be different because you can't afford all the bells and whistles. Right. Somebody charging 200 bucks and collecting 200 bucks an hour is making. Yeah. Well, all really interesting things for you to consider as you grow. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing with us not only about Nexus Wellness, but HIPAA compliance specifically and all of the different pieces that need to be considered. So thanks for joining us today, Scott. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We hope that you got some good insight into happiness, what we've got going on to ensure that our team and our clients are happy, and maybe what you would like to do to increase the satisfaction or measure that satisfaction for your own clients and customers. And if you'd like to check out our two-week free trial with no credit card required and to see what we do to make our potential customers and then customers happy, check us out at thereceptionist.com.